You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. I care for them like, well, I suppose like children. And Alan Seiler. I don't have a Goldicott quote, and I'll explain <laughs> I'll explain why in a minute when we get into the show. But hello, everyone. Yeah, What's welcome. <laughs> Yep. So we're, we're going out live on Facebook and YouTube again this week. And mm-hmm. so any, anyone who's watching along, feel free to comment, jump in the conversation. We'll be talking about Gull Dukat tonight. But first, Alan, we've got some Star Trek news. We do. So um, first of all, we've got and, and I bring this up first because it literally happened um, chronologically first. And that is sort of I want to do a roundup of the guests that are coming to Dragon Con this year. So anyone who is listening to us in the Atlanta area and you're planning on going to Dragon Con, well, this is going to be a particularly trekky Dragon Con for us. So from kind of like uh, top to bottom, we have sort of, we have William Shatner, Anson Mount, so the two captains. Wow. That's already a big deal. Right, exactly. (laughs) Ethan Peck, Jess Bush, Christina Yes, Christina Chong. <laughs> like I'm not on the show. Right. <laughs> I'm like I'm just some dude who wandered in talking to you guys. Really? <laughs> I'm gonna have to start all over now. <laughs> all right, Anthony Rapp, Wilson Cruz, Blue Del Barrio, and Ian Alexander, Michelle Hurd, um, Annie Wershing, who you might not recognize the name, but she was the Borg Queen in the most recent season of Picard. Right. Walter Koenig, Titus Welliver, who now the last two are like Trek adjacent because Mm -hmm. they have Trek appearances, but I don't know that they'll actually be doing any Trek panels or anything. Titus Welliver played Commander, I can't remember his name, in that amazing Voyager two-parter Equinox. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And he was the first officer. Right. Right. The one who called Bellana BLT. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember his name. Max, I think, but I don't remember the last name. Yeah, me neither. Well, they hardly and, use the last names. That's and, true. And Jennifer Morrison, who played a Kirk. I can't remember her first name in the 2009 movie. Winona. Why, yes, Winona. Yep. I knew it was a country Ooh. singer. That's all I could remember. <laughs> <laughs> so that is a pretty decent Star yeah. Trek I mean, that's going to be fun. I'm so excited about this. Yeah, they've got a great roster of Star Trek guests. Right. Yeah. Um, also, uh, it was announced today that we, you know, we knew that September 8th was coming up and they always do Star Trek Day on September 8th because that's the day that the new se- or sorry, that the original series went live right. back in 1966. And uh, so there's a lot of stuff that they've announced, uh, discussion panels with actors from all the various Paramount plus shows. There is 
and I can't remember his name. I don't have the list in front of me, but a comedian who has been in a number of shows, including Big Bang Theory. What's his name? I don't remember. Um, they're going to be doing a cosplay beauty pageant and all kinds of stuff. And as we know, there's always some big reveal that comes out on September 8th. So I don't know why I did not remember to schedule myself off that day. But I'm already taking like a whole week off for Dragon Con. And then I'm going to yeah. be missing the second half of September for medical reasons. So, I mean, I can't have the entire month. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So, September 8th, Star Trek Day. Super yeah. excited. And, of course, we will be reporting all the stuff that happened that day on the, the first opportunity that we get afterward. Yeah. I mean, September 8th is a Thursday. So, right. weather will be ready to talk about it that night or not. I guess we'll have to see. I know. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I expect I'm just going to be at my desk at work, like pretending to work and watching Star Trek news all day. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So what, what are we expecting? What do you think they're going to do? And what would you rather they, like if they have a big debut or a big, uh, like a, a trailer or an announcement or what, what would you be hoping for? I would think a, a new trailer. Yeah. I would think also some uh, specific news on when Prodigy will resume its season. Right. I'm yeah. really expecting that that's one of the things that we're going to get out of this. Yeah. Yeah. What's you, Keith? Um, probably, well, like I said, a trailer, anything about Picard season three, which has me so intrigued now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally. Or to seeing something like that. Yeah, that's what I expect. I well, I'm like Alan. I, I'd I'd like to see something more from Prodigy. They've been real quiet on Prodigy mm. while they've been working on it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, last year you had Lower Decks, and then you had Prodigy right after it. So, right. I hope that's what's happening this year. But I mean, we we still don't know. Yeah, we might be we might be right on the cusp of another. What is it? Fifty four week un un unbroken run of episodes that we just had. Yeah, I think it was 49 weeks, something like that. And then, but it was like 53 episodes. 53. Okay. There was a few right. overlapping weeks. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we might be in for another full year. Yeah. Uh, Eric Watts says that the Dragon Con guest list doesn't beat the 2009 lineup of Shatner, Nimoy, Stewart, and Mulgrew. Wow. That's a good lineup, too. That is a good one. That's a I lot of captains. And, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of heavy hitters right there. Yeah, well, I don't think it, I don't think anything ever beats the year when uh, Avery Brooks burst out singing um, Alamorain. Uh, <laughs> that, that is always going to be my highlight. <laughs> right. That's yeah. It. yeah, you can't beat that. Yes. All right, Keith, did you any this week in Trek this week? Yeah, I'm going to we um, we didn't do um, a, a history last week. But I want to do a couple from last week that were kind of important to to mention. So. Forgive me all if I'm just a week behind on this, but there's a couple I did want to mention because I think they're pretty significant. The first um, was this person was born on 7th of August, 1934. Wow. Uh, and this is going to be too easy. Uh, and it also does that thing where Star Trek does history of the future or they do real life history, then they add stuff. So I'll do it. Um, Alexander, Caesar, Napoleon, Hitler, Lee Kwan. Cronus, all are dead before me. All are dust. Mm -hmm. I remember the quote. Uh -huh. Yeah, and that is, yeah. that is. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, I'll do another one. Uh, 
Gosh, 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 gosh. I can't think of another one. That, that's a good one. Um, you were so sure that we were just going to get that. Yeah, quote. and I know that. We <laughs> yeah, just know, talked right? about that quote like six months ago. His first name was Lord, or he made people call him Lord. Lord. Darth. That's it? Oh, of <laughs> yes. course. Of course. <laughs> and that is, I can't pronounce the name well. It's Steve Innot, I-H-N-A-T, born in Czechoslovakia, who played Captain Garth slash Lord Garth in, uh, well, most known for that, because like so many people from that time, he was in everything, and yeah. uh, Whom Gods Destroy. And Star Trek fans will really know him because it's so funny. It was, it was kind of a thing that was mentioned. He was in this famous Battle of Axanar as we all know about. He was a famous starship captain. I mean, he sounds like he's right up there with Kirk and Pike, Picard, all those, went mad because of some, an accident he had. But one of the things, the reason I wanted to mention him is, as we all know, the whole Battle of Axanar became a huge thing with the fans, the fan films and the network and all that ownership. And that, I can't remember, do y'all remember how long that product had been worked on? Because I saw the trailer that they did at Dragon Con a few years ago is about 20 minutes of that. Um, but that's like a legendary thing, right? Well, oh, it was yeah, the literal battle of Axanar. Yeah. Yes. They're, yes. they're still technically working on it. There was, wow. at least they're, they're still accepting donations and mm -hmm. producing updates and producing merch. Uh, whether there will actually be anything produced by that studio, I guess we'll, it remains to be seen. We'll, right. we'll find out together, but yeah. Yeah. That's a famous one. Um, it's also on the 7th of August, 1978, and I'll just go ahead and say it, one Sirach Lofton. Oh, who, nice. Yeah. Most known for playing Jake Sisko. And, and I, I saw something. I was listening to another podcast the other day about Star Trek, and they said literally the only healthy parent-child relationship in the history of Star Trek. <laughs> and that actually may be true. Maybe. I would say the Crushers still had a, a healthy relationship. Oh, yeah. Okay. Is there anybody else? Because Worf was a horrible father to his son. There's just no way, to, no way around yeah, that. Yeah, Worf was awful. Um, I mean, <laughs> Naomi Wildman and, and yes. Ensign Wildman. And <laughs> although we didn't see Ensign Wildman as much as, you know, as much as right. you saw Captain Sisko and Jake Sisko. Right. Right. But I guess you th I'm thinking about the Spock and Spock and his father and Picard and his father. And boy, it goes on yeah. after that. I guess Jordy had a decent relationship with his dad, but he only saw his dad for like five minutes. So Right. Yeah. Starfleet <laughs> recruits at like family counseling centers. <laughs> <laughs> Hate your dad? Come join Starfleet. <laughs> nice. I love Don't it. Forget Jake, Nog, and Rom. Well, that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, Alan, there's something you're saying I found very interesting. I was just watching the. Um, the Deep Space Nine pilot again. And mm. was and speaking of father and son, was there ever a character that changed as much as Rom from when he was oh. first introduced? I Even know. his voice was different. He was harsh yeah. and hard and murderous. Yep, right. Yeah. And then later on, he became kind of goofy and lovable. <laughs> what a, what a <laughs> <Yep>. change. <laughs> yeah. Okay, just got a couple of more here. And this one I really had to also mention. The 9th of August, 1963 is one. Adam Nimoy nice. Okay. Nice. was born. Yeah. And I know he's been involved in a lot of stuff. Didn't he direct some episodes? I didn't look up. Didn't he do some direction? He, he directed some episodes of track, if I'm not mistaken. And uh -huh. matter of fact, yep. I know he's directed episodes and he is married to. Terry Farrell. Terry, Terry Farrell. Farrell. Right. Yep. Which is pretty cool. Yep. Uh, one more. No, let's see. Two more. I, again, back to my love of going really far back. 
Um, 12th of August, 1910. Um, if you stand there quoting rules and regulations and let your father die, I'll hate you. <laughs> That's Jane Amanda, Wyatt. But yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Jane Wyatt, born yeah. on the 12th of August, 1910. I was wow. getting to the actress and I couldn't quite get <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, I could, I had Wyatt in my head. I'm like, yeah, first name. <laughs> and, and y'all can probably tell, like, just about every Star Trek captain, I have a love of history because when I look at stuff like that, I realize she was born seven years after the first airplane flew with the Wright brothers. Mm -hmm. There was no electricity and running water in most of America, and nobody but a rich person owned a car. And that's just fascinating to think she goes from that to being on the science fiction show about warp drives and, and yeah. outer space. Yeah. Just been amazing. And the last one I got, um, 12th of August, 1921. And there's no quote here. This is just the name. And this is the man, Matt Jeffries. Hey. Was nice. born. Yeah. And, that, and I don't think I realized how much Matt Jeffries had. He did design, but he was he worked on all three seasons of the original series. And I don't think I realized this, but he was listed as being over art and production and production design. And he did Starship designs and he helped do the show and edit the show and so forth. And he was, I mean, we all know the name from the Jeffries tubes and a couple of things he'd done, but I don't think I realized how pivotal he was to running that show and helping the show get produced and look the way it looked for all three seasons, which is amazing because so many people from the first season bailed um, when the second season, they were either burnt out or couldn't get along with Gene or when, um, when the, the show, the series was, or the franchise was sold in the third season and Fred Freeberger came in and you, you got the famous arguments and dissatisfaction of people. He's one of the few who stayed on for three seasons, which I think is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Might have helped make it as good as it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if nothing else, he's, I mean, the Enterprise design, that yes. alone would be enough to <laughs> submit him in the history <laughs> yeah. book. You know, I mean, and yeah. looking at the way, you know, science fiction up to that point had been primarily flying saucers and rockets. And rockets. Just yeah, taking those exactly. familiar elements and combining them in a different way that just yeah. gave mm -hmm. it so much more believability. It's just it's fantastic. A, it's a genius design. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, it literally is. It's so, so good. Um, Michael Phillips comments, I just rewatched Whom God's Destroy last week, and I think it's hey, rather underrated. I would like to see Captain Garth come back in Strange New World so we can see how he Ooh. went batty. Oh. Michael, um, I, I get, I, I, I do a whole lot of babbling, complaining about like fan service and callbacks yeah. and the new stuff. That is a fantastic idea, though, because I would love to see the Battle of Axanar and Garth because didn't he like get his shape-shifting powers for some weird alien race who healed him and then he was a shapeshifter? It was, it's, I, I it's, it's a strange thing because he went mad and then gained shape-shifting powers. And then he was a super genius who created the most powerful explosive known to man, I guess, outside of antimatter. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see how he went from this hero captain to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have I have very bad news. What? Apparently, Adam and Terry have separated. Oh, oh gosh. I didn't know that. Well, I didn't. Yeah, that's, me either. that's awful. I'm so yeah, sad to well, hear that. Thanks for I update. Mean, as someone who has been married more than one time, sometimes it's awful and sometimes it's not. So <laughs> what, whatever way is makes them both happier, I hope I wish them both the best. I, I know. I, I, I get that. But, you know, yeah. you just want to see these things work. Yeah. That's right. Okay. 
Right. Well, and that's this week or last week in track history. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. So if you're listening to this on the audio podcast, we're going to take a quick break right here and promote our fellow ESO Network podcast show. And when we get back, we'll be talking about Gull Dukat. So stay right there. Comic-Cons are back, and fans are ready. Hear all about it on The Con Guy Show, where we keep you up to date on all the events, the movies, the people, and the conventions that drive your passions and feed your fandom. Straight from the nerdy heart of Hollywood, California, we are proud members of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. So yeah, Goldicott, awesome. <laughs> and that's our show. Thanks for watching. Folks. Thank you. And again. then Kai Win, awesome. You're right. And then you can yeah. be done, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, way in. But then you put them together, not awesome. <laughs> oh, really? That's, together, you're that, talking about that season seven arc with Ducat and Win. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the paw race yeah. and all that stupidity. Oh, I hated that so much. Yeah. But, right. But so here's here's my story. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how long ago it was that we said we were going to have a, a guest on this week, and we mm-hmm. decided on our topic, and that topic yep. was going to be Gold Decot. And right. then we talked about. Um, don't forget, we're going to be talking about Gold Decot. And then mm-hmm. today, you messaged me and say, "Oh, you know, our guest isn't going to be there." Um, and so I assumed we were still going to talk about Gold Decot. That entire time, I had Garak in my head. <laughs> so I am 100% prepared to talk about Garrick tonight. So, well, Garrick is involved with Goldicott. So, I mean, there's it, it's sort Good of they're tied in together, you know, in that, exactly. in that backstory. Uh, yeah, it, it's funny to me. I mean, Khan is like the iconic Star Trek bad yes. guy as far as yeah. right. is concerned. But Goldicott, we had so much more time with and so much more yeah. development. I mean, from just straight up the antagonist of the show at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know, sort of the midway point when the Klingon arc was going on, they really started to redeem him and make him more charming. And you think maybe he's going to, you know, he, you start siding with Goldicott a lot more and yeah. then just no, and just double down on how evil Goldicott is. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's, you know, I mean, we say this every, or at least I say this every time that a, a deep space nine topic comes up, that's just how well written that show is. Yeah. yeah, every character goes through that kind of growth and change, mm-hmm. and you're on their side sometimes, and you're not other times. Kai Wen is the same way. Mm-hmm. I'm 100 percent on her side sometimes, not often, but sometimes. And that's just the sign of really good writing and a really good understanding of your characters and your story arc, and really good actors. Mm-hmm. Also, Alan, I think what you're saying there is why I increasingly find myself not using the word villain but the word antagonist yeah, as exactly. charles said exactly because villain is sometimes a little two-dimensional and you're right mm-hmm. goldie Cott, frankly has admirable traits he's a great leader mm-hmm. um he's a great fighter and even kira toward the what the end the middle of the show whatever she was finding herself sucked into it for a while remember when the whole thing when she was she was getting too comfortable with him and I think about like after World War II, when we had the whole thing with the Nazis, and of course a whole bunch of Nazi generals and officers were killed, jailed, whatever. But 
The United States worked with a whole lot more former Nazis than people probably realize. Uh, oh, yeah. Probably the most probably the most famous would be Werner von Braun, the father of our modern rocketry program, because you can say what they did was evil and it was. But then at the end of the day, 10 years later, 15 years later, these people may have something that you want and you still work with them. And that's what happened with Goldie Cott, because so many times you look at this and go, this guy was a concentration camp runner, mm-hmm. you know, command, commandant and it killed people. And then they're like, okay, well, that's in the past. And boy, when you have treaties, you forgive a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he potentially, potentially could have been a great leader of Cardassia, which some people thought he was. And based on what you guys were just saying, I remember too, was Iris Stephen Bear and them even said that they, toward the middle, I guess, toward the end of the middle of the run of the series, they were looking at Descartes and they said, hey, we're making this guy too likable almost yeah. too noble. And so then they went back and said, let's remind everybody and ourselves that he's really at the end of the day, an evil guy, mostly right. evil, not all evil. Right. Yeah. Well, and, I, it, and it's only evil when, of course, every Star Trek show, every show is, mm-hmm. is centered around what we, the American or Western audience think of as moral. So anything right. that deviates from that is seen as quote unquote evil. So yep. mm-hmm. Goldicott is not evil in his own context. Right. He is doing what Cardassians do and he's doing it for the most part, exceptionally well. It's only when that viewpoint comes into conflict with our viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And since our viewpoint is the one that wins, well, that makes him the bad guy. <laughs> right. And, and he's going to look out for himself. You know, ultimately, he's he's yeah. a very self-serving character. I mean, yeah, I, I love that scene in Way of the Warrior when Cisco calls Cardassia and Goldicott answers, and he's like, "I was trying to get the c- civilian government." And he was like, "You succeeded, right?" <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "You, you, you saw which way the wind was blowing and switch sides, <laughs> you know? right?" Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's gonna look out for himself, and he's gonna do what's really in his own best interest. I think yeah. what's super interesting is that just like. Um, Ducat isn't necessarily when you're talking about black and white, he's not necessarily a black character. Mm. Neither, and this sounds so weird, but neither is Cisco like that hundred percent good character. You know what? Right. So right. they both are, really exist in that middle shade of gray, and it's so interesting to see them pitted against each other. I think they are amazing foils for each other. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh- yeah, I agree. One, one of the things I find interesting is for a lot of Star Trek fans, Mark Alemo would probably be remembered as playing Go Marset in the uh, the TNG nobody, episode. Nobody, nobody remembers that. Oh, really? I remember <laughs> no. that. I remember his I mean, cool hat. Once, they, once they're reminded of that, then, uh, then like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's right. He did play somebody before Dukat. And didn't he have a beard? Yeah, he well, it's yeah, yeah. like little... Yeah. Facial hair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they decided not to do the facial hair, but he he was commanding the screen in that episode as well. And that was called what that was the wounded with Captain Maxwell. Right. right. The the guy who was basically still fighting the Earth Cardassian War. And what's so funny now for somebody like me who has been watching television since the 60s. Um, I remember Mark Alemo from, in my gosh, everything from police story to police squad to Mannix to he was one of those actors. He's 80 years old now. And mm-hmm. his first TV credit goes back to 1970. And he was in a two year soap opera called Somerset that I remember. 
and he was in a TV, a real life TV show about the trial of a of a of American military officer called the the the, the execution of Private Slovic. But the thing is, what's so funny is I saw Mark Alamo for decades. And if you turned on any of the cop shows at that time or something, and there was like some bad guy or, you know, those things were what's the joke that every time anybody goes into a bar, there's a bar fight. He would be like the guy leading the bad guys to start the bar, the bar fight. And so you get used to seeing him as that kind of um, mm. um, character. And then he strides onto the set of TNG. And wow, this guy like you guys were just saying, this guy can really act, act, you know, not just yeah. playing bad guy on regular television. And then from that one performance, they liked him enough, they decided to bring him back, which you don't see as much nowadays in Star Trek as back in the day when people played dual roles. And then I think the first time, like what you said, Alan, I agree with the first time he walked on screen, his chemistry with Brooks was just amazing. Yeah. I mean, just amazing. Yeah. But don't forget his other perfor- his other appearance. What's that? It, it's equally yep. as memorable as Golmaset. <laughs> he was in that poker game in Times Arrow when Data's in. Is, was it Times Arrow when they're mm-hmm. in the past and he has to like you know deal yep. in and and the and the Native American calls him pale face and all that kind of stuff. That's him. Oh, no I oh and before that. that, he was in the the neutral zone. He played the Romulan. Oh, commander. that's right. That's right. So it's funny now. That's all the way back season one of Next yeah. Gen when they the first episode uh-huh. they reintroduced the Romulans. Yeah, uh-huh. knowing what he's capable of on DS Nine, they could have continued that character on Next Gen. He could have become like Tomalock and become yeah. a reoccurring foil for Picard. Right. But they didn't go that way, but right. I mean, it might have been interesting to th- if they if they had. He's because... practically the Jeffrey Combs of Next Generation. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm glad now though that it was DS9 where he really mm-hmm. got the chance to shine and recur, mm-hmm. and it just shows the the power of not killing your characters at the end of the season. You know, that's right. something I've just criticized the new Star Treks for is that just yes. when a, a, a an antagonist will get interesting, they kill them off at the end yes. of the year. Like, do keep them alive so they can become the next Goldicott. You know, yes. right, right, right. And you're right, um, Alan. I like what I like what you guys are saying about the whole thing with Tomalock and stuff because TNG really didn't have a lot of. I mean, I guess really the the, the most recurring antagonist was Q, yeah. and then you're mm-hmm. right, Tomalock would show up every now and then. Yeah, and I rarely, think, um, yeah, yeah, very rarely. And I think the only other person you can, I can think about in science fiction that's probably close to him would be Walter Koenig as Alfred Bester in Babylon uh-huh. Five, which is another. Uh-huh. Ironically, one of the best antagonists I've ever seen in science fiction. Now, Walter Koenig was only on B5 for something like 7 to 11 episodes. I forget the exact count. But to what you're saying, Charles, uh, I was checking IMDb, and Mark Alamo is credited with 35 appearances in DS9. Wow. And that's so funny because that's 35 (laughs) episodes spread over seven years. And his impact is so much more significant that when you think 35 episodes, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just slightly over one season. But yeah. yet his impact on that show is so profound. Mm. Oh. Absolutely. And, and how many of those 35 episodes was he in Bajoran makeup making out with Kai Wen? Thank you. <laughs> you know, that, like, was a lot of those. That's a solid chunk of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. That's very true. Wow. Yeah. Um. What... You, we were talking about whether or not he's a, a villain or an antagonist. And you say he has a lot of good traits about him. What, at the end of the day, do y'all feel about Dukat? I mean, would you say he's the best antagonist in Star Trek history? Or does that still go to Khan? 
as if those are the only two options. I mean, you could you could obviously <laughs> board queen. I mean, I, it's like I just decided these are the only two to talk about. You have two choices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say as far as a recurring antagonist. Now, yeah. I, I don't know that. I mean, I, I love Khan. I'm not going to lie about that. But I, I love that you get to that you get to follow Goldicott through this whole storyline. Right. You know, yeah. I love that he's from the I mean, the beginning of the show all the way up to the end of the show. Mm hmm. Exactly. The 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 difference with Khan is that you really only get two appearances mm -hmm. yeah. and they're completely separated by, you know, 20 years. And it's a com not a completely different take on the character, but it's portraying the character from two completely different platforms. Mm -hmm. Whereas Gold Cod, you see that progression over time. And I'm going to say, I think he absolutely does get my vote as mm. the best antagonist in star trek now q obviously is up there but i just yeah. don't you know i just don't put the the precocious trickster in the same category as a war criminal yeah. as someone who ran well i was going to say a um an internment camp it was essentially an internment planet mm -hmm. I, you know it's just not the same thing and the fact that the writers and the and the actor took that character and gave him so many different shades. It wasn't just an evil character. I think I think he is absolutely the best quote unquote villain that Star Trek has ever done. Ongoing villain. Yeah. Right. Can argue with and, that? No. and I think one of the things when you said also, Alan, that um, we're all saying that he doesn't believe in himself as evil. Right. Um, I, I remember growing up when I remember in the X-Men, the, the, um, the biggest group that the X-Men battle was called the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And in, in the DC comics, there's a whole universe, an alternate universe called the, or Superman and, those, and his um, Justice League people are members of the Injustice Society. Yeah. And in real life, nobody names themselves stuff like that. You know, nobody names themselves the evil, the Legion of Doom. Well, the Legion of Doom is okay. But nobody names themselves that. And, 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 the thing, and the reason I'm saying that is because, and Alan, you mentioned the other great character was Garrick, is early on in Deep Space Nine, and I don't have episodes named, Garrick has, has had cold conversations about why it was right and proper yeah. and even beneficial for the Cardassians to rule Bajor. The, right. Bajor, Bajor, the Bajorans, because it was what conquerors have said throughout history, which is basically, we're better than you, we're superior to you, and this is for your good. You're basically yeah, like children. Yeah. And so if you just say that Dukat is quote-unquote evil all along, well, basically every Cardassian that we get to know on that series, from um, Garrick to Dumar to all the other ones who were complicit in this, they're all kind of evil. And then you see the character arcs where some of them like Garrick become, I guess, redeemable and Dumar and so forth. Yeah. And so yeah. he really was just a part of his system. And one of the things I find very interesting is they talk about the fact that the Car the Cardassians at one point in time had a culture that was a culture of peace mm. and exploration and art and science. And basically they found themselves weak, remade themselves as strong and after that, they had that whole only the strong survive kind of thing. And, and so what he did was what you said earlier, Alan, I agree it by his morals and by his people's morals and by Garrick's morals and everybody else's moral. What he did was right. 
right by their he, morals. Yeah. He is the Cardassian's Cardassian. Yeah, yeah. So Chuck, and, who's your favorite villain and or antagonist in all of Trek? <laughs> That's a tough one, right? Well, re- recurring, I, I would say uh, Galdicott. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love Ricardo Montalban's performance as Khan. Oh yeah, and, I mean, it's it's great. It's 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 famous and iconic for a reason. But we got, like you said, we got him twice. Yeah, you know, whereas right. Galdicott, you get to watch over a seven year period. Mm-hmm. You know, and they give Mark Lamos some really good material. Not yeah. always, but generally, some really good material to work with. Yeah, mm-hmm. that opening six episodes of season six, mm. where they are occupying yeah. Deep Space Nine, yes. and it ends with Damar shooting his daughter. Yeah, yeah. holy shoot! <laughs> I'm censoring myself. That right. is that is some of the like best television I have ever seen. I, oh, yeah. I found that gripping that whole arc. Mm. God, I even, amazing. I mean, backing up just a little bit from that, but the season five finale, oh, when he, yeah. goes, he, he re-enters his office, what used to be his office, and the baseball's yeah. there. Yes. And he's like, it's a message. He'll be back. That's right. And that's a, that's a great place to leave it. You know, it's, right. I mean, that, and I, and I love, I mean, every time you see him with that baseball after that, you know, it made the baseball a part of the story, but it sort of, that's that tie between um, Dakot and Cisco, man. You know, it's yeah. that those two are just great characters together. And, you know, I was a little bit conflicted watching the show because after Goldicott got all paw wraithed and killed Dax, and yeah. then I really wanted to see Worf kill Dakot, but you can't have Worf kill Dakot. You know, right. <laughs> that's, that's Cisco's job, but it would have been very satisfying to see Worf kill Dakot. <laughs> yes, it would have. Yes, it would. Yeah. There is, um, I, and I, I, I forgive me because I don't have episodes names, but uh, gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. But do you remember the episode where they triggered this weird computer program that Descartes had written in case there was a, a rebellion yep. insurrection on the station? Yep. And what's yep. so funny about it is, you know, you remember as they were trying to, as, as, as o- o- O'Brien and Cisco and them are trying to disable the system. I mean, it's, it's intentionally, it's, con- it's continually bringing in like gas and all this kind of stuff because the computer has been programmed to think that the Bajorans have revolted. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's not an AI interactively doing a message. And the jokes people laugh about, it's like the cot recorded a hundred different messages. <laughs> that's pretty much like Bajoran workers. <laughs> yeah. Because of this, I'm going to do this. Because of this, I'm going to do this. And you think about this guy sat down and recorded right. all these scenario messages <laughs> for killing. And because one of the things <laughs> that they talk about is Bajorans love to hear them. I mean, sorry, Cardassians love to hear themselves talk because they don't want to just kill you. They want to convert you. They want you to feel that you should be punished. And so he, he recorded these incredibly long-winded messages where he could have just killed them because he has to teach them. Yeah. Which I, And I just love that episode. I love yeah. the bit where he shows up and he was like, I got a distress signal from myself. That is awesome. I don't remember the quote, but it's in that, uh, that six episode arc at the beginning of season six where he's talking to Wayun and mm-hmm. they're talking about victory or whatever. And, and I don't remember the quote and I wish I'd looked it up uh-huh. before I got here, uh-huh. but it's victory is not necessarily winning. Victory is making your opponent understand that they should never have opposed you in the first place. Right. It's all about that mind game for them. It's mm-hmm. all about convincing them 
that you are right. It's not just about beating them because they're wrong. They have to understand that you are right. Right. Oh, that's good stuff. Alan, you're right. Because I remember that. Because, just like a Cardassian. <laughs> yes. Because Wei Yoon was saying, they were talking, Wei Yoon, and they were saying, if there's to be resistance, it will start and be centered on Earth. And he said, right. And then Wei Yoon just casually, just casually says, therefore, we should eliminate, the po- we should eradicate the population of Earth. Basically, destroy Earth. And to what you said, Alan, then the cops like, no, wait, wait, you can't destroy Earth. And Wayne's like, why not? It's logical because he said, because we have to make them realize that they were wrong to oppose us. Right. And then, and, right. And, we, and we was like, and then can we destroy the Earth? <laughs> <laughs> and then he kind of goes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and then, that's good stuff. And that dovetails with the couple of episodes we saw, like when um, Miles O'Brien was on trial in the Cardassian courts, which again shows that's how the, the the Cardassian legal system, if you remember, and I won't call name, well, there's some countries, but like Russia, the Cardassian legal system, if you're arrested, you're guilty. And remember, they said the verdict is always guilty because the yeah. verdict is not about proving that you're guilty. The verdict is about proving that the state is always right. And it's mm-hmm. making you confess. It's And so yeah. what you said, Alan, Dove tells exactly what that's how Cardassians think. Descartes mm-hmm. wants everybody, his enemies, his victims to love him and know that he's right. And that's mm-hmm. how the Cardassians are about everything. The yeah. system is right always. Yes. Yeah. Because they feel like this, what's best for the state is best for Cardassia. Mm-hmm. And right. so, yeah, the trial is not about the individual. It's about the state. It's about showing that, the, that everyone, we're still safe. Our system still works. Justice mm-hmm. is served in swift. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, with, with Goldicott, you, it basically you, you breaks down. You have original Goldicott for the first like four, four seasons. And then right. you have sort of midway through the show Goldicott where he's on the outs from Cardassia and then he becomes sort of a, 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 a renegade on his own. Mm-hmm. And then he becomes, you know, the, the head of Cardassia under the dominion. Yeah. And right. then at the end, you got crazy to cut, <laughs> you know, after he's, <laughs> after he yeah. all dies and he just goes over the deep end. Right. Yeah. And it just gets crazier as it goes on. Um, so I mean, what, which to do you prefer? Do you have a preference? The season six to Okay. Where he has ridden through all these ups and downs, mm-hmm. and he is back on top. And buddy, he is riding that horse like he belongs on it. Yeah, like he has been restored to his rightful office. <laughs> He's so good. Well, so good. Alan, the thing is, you're right because again, you hate to say it, but he's admiral. Because remember. He was completely on the outs with the Cardassian government. After mm-hmm. all, this man had sired a part Bajoran, part Cardassian child, which ruined his reputation. And if you remember, he was at a place where some people wouldn't recover. He had basically got absconded with a Klingon bird of prey and a ragtag crew. And then he turns himself into a successful marauder. Um, you might call him freedom fighter, kind of, kind of, sort of, because he's always self-serving. You're right. And then like a year or two later, he's back. Yep. And a lot of people wouldn't recover from that, but he sure did. Yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I also love it 
when he's right there as the head of Cardassia, we've got way yeah. right there with him as the, you know, he's and having to deal with that dynamic between the dominion and, and doing what's best for Cardassia. I also love original to cut um, when he was just yeah. the sort of ongoing face yeah. of Cardassia to who. Yeah, show absolutely. Up. I, I don't care much for crazy to cut as much. I, no, I, no, I feel like he, he got a little nuts and then he became a Paul Rafe, Wraith cultist and then uh, he turned into a Cardassian yeah. and was banging Kai Wen. Yeah, I just uh, I, I prefer to cut when he's at his strength, yeah. you know. Exactly. The, I, the only, I, I oh go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead, Adam. I was gonna say there's a lot that I really love about season seven, but that plot line bugged the snot out of me. I just did not like it. Yeah. Both for his yeah. character and for Wen. Mm -hmm. I didn't right. like either of them in that role. I thought that. She is way too smart and way too conniving to have been taken in by that. Mm. Yeah, I just that, didn't buy it. Did not buy it. Yeah, that was the Clark Kent. That was the Clark Kent scenario. <laughs> you got this really thin, long neck guy with that voice, that that stride, and nobody right. could tell. Like, hey, you sound, you look like, uh, <laughs> you know, Gold Decot. I think I agree with y'all. I agree with you. I'm more into. I, I agree with the early Decot in the season six, and I would say the only crazy the cop performances i like are when he went mad after uh when the yeah. when the when the uh, dominion fleet didn't come through the wormhole and he lost his mind yeah. and you remember cisco literally found him as a yeah. quivering in a corner saying i forgive you and he's talking to zl saying he forgives her even though she's dead and then he looks at cisco and i'll never forget this because it's weird because he's piteous and he's broken but then he looks at cisco and it's yeah. not completely defeat there's like some yeah there's strength there Remember Absolutely. That? Yeah. And he says, I forgive you too. And he hands him yeah. the baseball bat. And then the only other thing is I always get these two mixed up is the episode where he and Cisco crash on the planet and he tries to make Cisco uh, acknowledge his greatness. Was that duet or waltz? I always well, get waltz. That is a phenomenal show. Yeah. Yeah. Love yeah. that show because he has to play crazy. And then because he's, he's the whole time he's hearing Kira, the vision of Kira is mocking him. And Avery Brooks, this is and this is something that a lot of characters don't want to play because like William Shatner would not have played a character like this back in the day. Avery Brooks is completely at the mercy of Ducat. And it still has one of the most brutal scenes in all the track is when Ducat beats Cisco yeah. with a pipe or something like that. And Cisco is completely helpless. And the, the, the acting for a, a man as strong as Avery Brooks to play helpless like that. And for Mark Alamo to, like you guys are saying, balance the crazy. But then at the end of that show, at least, he looked like he had a strength and a, and a spine of steel. And then, like I said, I didn't know he was going to end up like a crazy cultist and all that kind of stuff. But that Ducat who took off at the end of that episode, I was really into. And then, like I mm -hmm. said, he went nuts and changed his mm -hmm. appearance and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Before we move any further, I want to get uh -huh. a comment from Michael Phillips, who wants to weigh in on the favorite villain. Can't decide between Gull Madrid and Lore. That's two good choices. Yeah. 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 Gold Madrid was an amazing character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was. And, and just incredible performance. And then yeah. Laura is another one of those where I'm always surprised when I find out how few episodes he was in. Right. <laughs> you know, you feel like Lord popping up all the time, but he really wasn't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what? All right. Go ahead. Talk about season seven. I mean, okay. we just did a little mm -hmm. bit, but, but uh, about that whole thing of that weird rabbit hole that Ducat goes it, it, to the point of having extreme 
surgical alterations done to him right. to look like a Bajoran. Um, necessary, unnecessary, didn't like it, liked it. Good points, bad points. Yeah, it, it's not my favorite. I mean, I don't, I don't mind yeah. it really. It's, it's if, right. If I was going to watch a Goldicott episode, it wouldn't be one of those, you know. <laughs> right. But right. I mean, and I've speculated this on the show before. I don't, have, I don't know that this is true. But my thought was maybe he was like, I can't come back for seven episodes in this makeup. I've been doing this makeup too long. You know what I mean? Like that's I'll very come back. likely. Yeah. And they said, yeah. okay, we'll come up with something with no makeup. You know what I mean? That's or right. limited makeup. Now that right. I mean, he he. Maybe that's not true at all. I'm just making this up. But, um, I mean, it makes sense, you know? Right. Uh, because I, I can't imagine it. I mean, I guess they did. But, I mean, you're sitting around the writer's room, and you're like, you know what? All right, how about this? Goldicott becomes a Bajoran, and he has a thing with Kai Wen. I know. You're like, really? <laughs> that's right. It does tomorrow. sound like one of those <laughs> crazy things that would just get right. thrown out for fun. And they're like, yeah. well, wait a minute. What about? Yeah. yeah I, I think, yeah, I think they got a, I think, they help. They they managed to hold it together. But you're right. I think that they the center was almost threatening to, to fly apart because you know, at the end of the day, Deep Space Nine was a show about religion and spirituality, and it started that way. And I think they realized they wanted to end it that way, which is why, like you said, he became a paw wraith, and 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 Kai Wen became basically a servant of the devil or the you know the other side, if you want to call it right, that. Right. But I agree with you. I think in trying to make him make this return to like a God versus the devil thing. They went a little far because like you said, when the whole thing, we had a cult on the space station and got the lady pregnant and everybody was just kind of, I, I wasn't really buying that because that was too far afield. Now he's like Jim Jones or something. <laughs> that was yeah. a funny scene though. It's a miracle. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. And, the, and her husband did not buy it at all. Right. Right. <laughs> right. It's a miracle. But, yeah, but it but that it went a little far afield for me at that point mm-hmm. in time because I mm-hmm, just still wanted yeah. to see go. I wanted to see maybe Ducat slightly unhinged, but still that dangerous military leader, not that Ducat who became like a a psycho hippie Charles Manson kind of thing. <laughs> that just didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, although I did like, I don't want to say like, but it's a dramatic scene. I do remember the scene when he killed Dax, and the thing we keep talking about Ducat is you. You never loved Ducat, but you you kind of see the other side. It's when he when he killed Dax, he literally said, "I didn't mean any harm to you." You know, it's like, my God, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, well, if you had to been here, you wouldn't be dead. Sorry about that. Yeah, which basically. is good. You know, uh, wow. <laughs> well, it's, hmm. it's, I mean, how about Ducat and Garrick? Yes, man, that's like. That's a whole show right there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I love their dynamic. Oh, oh they were great. The way of the warrior when they were having to fight side by side. And I mean, I just, I just love those two. And, and he's, he, Dakota is featured heavily in the book, uh, in, um, okay. stitch in time, a stitch in time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It goes into their whole backstory together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I love those two characters together. Oh yeah. Is, is the backstory correct? Is it that, is it that Garrick? Had Dakot's father executed? Is that right? Is that what starts the animosity between them? Yeah, I haven't read the book in a long time, but yeah, I mean they they had they had history going back to like being schoolboys. Wow, I didn't know yeah. it was that far back. Yeah, I think I, I read when I was doing some research last night. It's that uh, Garrick in his um you know his days with the Obsidian Order, Garrick somehow Garrick somehow had Dukat's father branded a traitor, and he felt that he was responsible for his father being executed as a traitor, mm-hmm. and so. 
know, they've hated each other for a long time. And on that scene you're talking about, I'll never forget, that's another great scene where you have to admire Ducat's abilities, if not the man, because they're fighting side by side. Ducat's wielding a batlet. And he's really good. <laughs> and you can tell. And I like the thing because later on, I remember, um, I forget who Garrick is talking to. I remember he said when they were fighting side by side, he said something like, you know, the thought had crossed my mind to shoot him in the back. And I forget who he was talking to. And they were like, you would shoot a man in the back? And he's like, well, it's the best time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we forget real quick, and I want to say this, I know I'm rambling on here. Here's one thing about Ducat. Ducat. And this, for me, is kind of personal because it, it kind of parallels, well, for a lot of people, for Jewish people, for Black people in America, it parallels some stuff in real life. Dukat, mm -hmm. we see, forced himself on women. Mm -hmm. And that's really disturbing. It's really disturbing. And we saw that, we found out with Kira's mother, that he ended up forcing Kira's, Kira's mother to become what, um, back when the Japanese invaded Japan, China was called the comfort woman. She was right. basically prostituting herself with him so her family could get some food. Yep. And one of the really disturbing things is when Kira, who'd gone back in time through the, through the orbs, um, they, you hear the soldiers basically saying, oh, here he goes running his game again. Because what he did was he always let one of his men go into these women who had just been taken as part of the conquest and scare them. And then he would stride in and say, oh, don't do them like that. Of course. And, and he'd run a game. And so it's very disgusting because at the end of the day, he was, you know, let's just say he was basically sexually assaulting women. And that happened all the time with Nazis. That happened in, in American slavery. I don't know if they write a character quite like that nowadays in 35 episodes. Mm -hmm. Because it's extremely uncomfortable. And when I look at that good cot, it's like, how could I have anything approaching admiration for him? But you know what? What we said, that's real life. And it has yeah. and it should make you feel that uncomfortable. It should yeah. make me feel that icky about his character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and even in a situation where a Bajoran woman acted like it was consensual, I mean, mm -hmm. he, he's he's leading the enslavement of her planet <laughs> you right, know like right. there's a, a significant right. power imbalance there exactly right. so yeah exactly. It, that, i i don't care much for the Ducat relationships at all mm -hmm. you know like with, yeah. with women um i mean i, I like Ducat when he's leading a fleet or you know right toe-to-toe -to -toe with cisco exactly you know, I, I i i i never cared much for the whole storyline with kira's mom i thought that was weird and, yeah i thought uh, yeah, I thought that storyline was strange. It was forced. Yeah. They could have done somebody else to put that point across. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't like make the impact as having yeah. Kira's mother. Yeah. But but speaking of that, what about the relationship between he and Kira? Mm. Yeah. The dynamic that they have for the seven years. Yeah. I think there's so, I think it's such a potent relationship. Yeah, I, and, I do really. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I said, I do really like when, when she's on the Klingon bird of prey and she's helping them and yeah. he, he start he keeps acting like they're going to be friends. They're going to be more than friends. You know what I mean? And right. Kira doesn't have it. <laughs> you know, she's yeah. not having that. There is, um, a showdown between the two of them. I think it's in the fifth episode of season six okay. where she comes into Cisco's office and he's there and they just have this like verbal spar with each other. And it is fiery. Yes. And and it's not like angry. It's not she's being defensive or anything. It's that they have this sort of like verbal dance with each other. Mm -hmm. And it is incredibly well written and really well played. 
Yeah. And it's one of my favorite Kira moments in the whole series. Yeah, because he is he is forever trying to win her respect yeah. and maybe her love. And then again, back to the creepy stuff. Remember he did the weird thing where he bought a dress for her. And then she yep. to your point, Alan, around that time, she rejected him. She's like, what do you think is going to happen here? And yep. she even says that. What do you think is going to happen here? We're going to all get together and play some kind of family. And then does one of the creepiest things, again, I've ever seen in Star Trek. He takes the dress that he had gotten for, for Kira to try to woo her and gives it to his daughter and pretends like he bought it for her or, right. or had it replicated for her. Absolutely right. disgusting. I mean, yeah. just disgusting. Um, and, and Alan, you're talking about relationships. Also, think about how his daughter, Zial, was introduced. He was headed to kill her yep. because she was a product of an indiscretion that was going to hurt yep. his career. That's and it right. was Kira who stopped him from killing his own daughter. That's yeah. right. Mm. Which is absolutely insane. And then Kira said she was going to kill him if he tried to kill his daughter. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to go back and watch the entire seven years again. I know. Yeah. Do I have right. time tonight to get that done? We'll, we'll pause it. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. Right. Well, let me ask you all, because it's funny. We're, we're actually approaching an hour. Um, we all agree that the crazy, mad cult decot wasn't our favorite. Do you like, however, the resolution at the very end of the entire series with Ducat? And I guess we have to say Ducat, Cisco, and Wynn. I, I felt Wynn got short shrift, but do y'all like how it ended with Ducat and Cisco? In that the fire battle? caves. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I like that they're mano a mano. I don't really yeah. care much for the Paw Wraiths. I no, think that was yeah. going a little far with the religion thing. I think something I like the Dominion is a better like evil versus good than right. than the yeah they. They're they're the fire ones, you know what I mean, and the fire caves, and it's like it's a little too, uh, like the devil, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm, a little mm -hmm. too right. demonic. Right, uh, I think it's mm -hmm. a little on the nose, and I don't really care for the, hey, I, not really. I thought that storyline got a little bit weird at the end. I I'm, I much prefer, uh, you know, like the season six Dakot and Cisco dynamic. Yeah, right, absolutely. Anytime. She started chanting from a book, and the number of times that she, she would say Costamogen, I was like, <laughs> please stop. Please stop. So right. in that last run-up, there was like uh there was like a 10-episode arc, basically, mm -hmm. at the end of season seven. Mm -hmm. And their storyline pretty much carried through all of them, but there was one episode right in the middle. <sighs> What's the title of it? Anyway, but it basically centered on kira and damar and they're on uh the stolen ship and they're coming in they're going to blow some stuff up and blah mm -hmm. blah blah it's the catch yourself white mines or some shit i don't know or some stuff um <laughs> sorry um and that was so good and it was so much better because it wasn't diluted with the pa wraith nonsense right i just thought yep. they 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 leaned too heavily on the pa wraith thing Mm -hmm. and tried to really build it up into something meaningful and interesting and it just never worked for me the whole liberation of cardassia the whole cardassia was once the conqueror now they are the conquered and they basically invited their conquerors in mm -hmm. is so powerful absolutely that it, they didn't need the other stuff they didn't need the paw wraith nonsense mm -hmm. so do you yeah. think it would have been better if it had been Dakot rather than Damar that continued that storyline through season seven. If Dakot had continued in his position with Wayun and then mm. become the revolutionary, that's a really good who question. Who was staying for Cardassia and and yeah. leading the revolution? That's a really good question. 
Because Demar basically they sort of stepped into Dakota's shoes. Exactly. And right. I think with when you're thinking of a story arc for seven years and you're thinking about a character who goes from one point at the beginning to a completely different point at the end, mm-hmm. having it carry through with Ducat the whole way would have been real. I mean, it was powerful as it was. Yeah. But I think having having that carry through with Ducat would have been the way to go with that. Mm-hmm. And work Damar into it some other way, you know, some new way, something the that coast really of gives... No. <laughs> you know, it's very interesting, uh, Charles, as you were asked the question just before I was going to ask it, and I was going to ask it very slightly differently. Okay. I love what I love what happened with Damar. Oh, I yeah. actually loved I love that he became the guy, and I prefer it. But the question I was going to ask is, if Ducat had remained on Cardassia. Do you think he would have finally rebelled against the founders? Because I think he's plotting all the time. Because you remember, remember every time they'd be in meetings and he would say, when he'd be in meetings with Wayun and he would say, I think this. And the Wayun would say, you will do what the founders say. You serve at the pleasure of the founders. And he would say, yes, I serve at the pleasure of the founders. And if you remember yeah. Damar, there's one great episode where Damar actually says, I like to push that founder, I like to push that little uh, border out the airlock and his founder with them. Yep. And Dukat just laughs and said, maybe I'll let you do that someday. So you get yeah, the feeling yeah. he was plotting and maybe oh, he yeah. told himself he would be able to resist the dominion. Oh, but yeah. do you think yeah. he would have a try? He was, he was biding his time. Yeah. He was waiting for his opportunity. He was using them just as much as they were using him. Right. Only he never got to the upper hand. Yeah. 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 Dukat had no allegiance to the dominion no. or no loyalty True. to them. No. Yeah. So I they think were we an expediency. Right. They were they were the mechanics to help him get his position back and to help Cardassia get its position in the quadrant back. Right. So you think at some point in time he would have tried to have freed Cardassia from the Dominion? It might have played out differently than what it did with Damar. I think Damar's intent was purer yeah. in a way than right. Demar, uh, than uh, Ducats would have been. True. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I just wondered if, again, for those who have not seen Babylon 5, I apologize. And this is a Babylon 5 spoiler. But um, why am I blanking his name? Um, not uh, uh, not goodness gracious. Uh, um, Londo. Londo. Yeah. Londo. Um, from the Centauri. naming names and eventually yeah. we'll get to it. <laughs> Londo for the Satari was like Dukat in a lot of ways where he yeah. was he was self-serving and he kind of sort of well he always loved his people so in some ways he was more like Demar but he had a he had a he had a horrible story because the beings that were the shadows and the beings that served the shadows once the shadow war was over and the and the shadows left the galaxy their servants were still around and Lando had a, a very unhappy future because he was literally and physically controlled by shadow servants for the other mm-hmm. next 20 years of his life. And he came to a really sad end because all his machinations basically bounced back on him. So I sometimes wonder is if you guys are saying if Ducat had stayed, would he have been a sad guy in the future? Would there have been a way even out of that? I don't I don't mm. know. But interesting yeah. what he would have ended that as. Mm. Yeah. 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 Well, we're almost at time. Any closing thoughts <laughs> about Guldicott? Wow. <laughs> In case anyone was worried, we wouldn't be able to fill an hour talking about Guldicott. Yeah. <laughs> uh, go for it, Alan. <laughs> oh, shoot. I don't know, man. I mean, just one of the richest characters mm-hmm. that Star Trek ever devised. Absolutely. 
Uh, I agree. Uh, the stuff like the the stuff with the thing he did with the women and stuff, he's reprehensible. I don't like him. I like him, but I don't like the being he was. You can't take your eyes off of that character. And that's a yeah. character you like. You don't yeah. want to look at him, but he makes you. He holds your attention. That's a great yeah. character. Yeah. When you love to watch a character and you hate that character at the same time, that's that's a great character. That's good. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, now next week. We're back to Lower Decks. We've got Star Trek on again. The summer Woo! is coming to an end. Looking so forward. Yes. Trekkie New Year. <laughs> We're going to have another year <laughs> of Star Trek, it looks like. Um, so if, if, if you've been watching and listening over the course of the summer, you may have noticed that we've been changing some things up, trying some things, sometimes going out on weird days, sometimes three episodes in a week. It's been madness. Uh, <laughs> it's <been> crazy. <laughs> We're squeezing all kinds of stuff in that we wanted to try out. I think sort of what we've, what we've come to is that we want to continue going live on Thursdays. Um, at eight o'clock talking about the new episode each week. So watch the episode and then come join us for the live discussion on Facebook and YouTube. And you can jump in the conversation and join in. And then we're going to try to have the episodes out Friday instead of waiting until Monday to get the episodes out. So it'd be a little less editing because we're sort of turning these episodes around a little bit faster. But if you haven't noticed any difference in the last few weeks, then you may not ever notice any difference. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're so, such professionals. We don't even need editing. That's right. That's right. <laughs> But um, so if you if you miss us Thursday, um, you know, you're driving to work Friday, you can you can listen and to us talking about our discussion topic and the, the latest episode of Lower Decks. And then if anyone mm. has been listening over the course of the summer and has feedback, what worked for you, what doesn't work for you, let us know. And if we like your suggestion, we'll listen to it. And if not, we'll ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Alan, where can people find more of you? Okay, well, I have a small publishing company called Cosmic Press, and you can find that at cosmicpress.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C, press.com. That sounds like a Mickey Mouse theme song. <laughs> and um, I have another podcast on the ESO Network. It is called Modern Musicology, and um, we review, talk about different music topics every week. We just did one on... Um, great artist bad album and mm. it ended up being a lot of fun mm. and everybody should subscribe and get on board because in a few weeks we have an interview with a legendary rock icon from the 80s so awesome and how right. about you keith you can find me on the standard social media groups facebook twitter instagram okay and then veronica and i can be found at feltnerdy.com or <laughs> monkeying around about the monkeys. you did the arm thing you I got you she's gone this week you can't say it without the arm thing that's right yeah, yeah and our, our our latest episode we just um sort of told our all of our stories about traveling to uh to fab fest in north in charlotte north carolina and we had a lot of fun there it was it's a really fun episode so check that out and then we've got some more episodes coming up here soon that'll be a lot of fun as well Awesome. But Veronica's not here this week. She's off at camp. So does anyone have a closing? Oh, see, now when you say that and we are like completely caught off guard yeah. and put on the spot, <laughs> it, it means something when it's right. Veronica and she knows to expect it every week after 84 weeks of doing it. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, hang on. Let me find. A... OK, it's a it's a Ducat quote. Victory was in our grasp. That's it. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. 
You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.